Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The thing is that I would have had to have walked away from, it was about 120 grand I already had in this deal, uh, which I would have had to have walked away from if I didn't come up with the money. So it was ugly, mate, but it was uh, it was necessary to, to get the deal done and I wasn't going to walk away from that much money. So I, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you've got to be curly and, and come up with solutions. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Sam Gordon, owner and director of Australian Property Scout. Last time, Gordon featured on Property Investory, he already accumulated 19 properties. In this episode, we'll get an update on that number and hear some property purchases that will leave you shaking your head in disbelief. Gordon has continually moved the goalpost each time he crosses another investment milestone off his to-do list. His latest goal was to purchase 31 properties by the time he was 31 years old. With his portfolio sitting at 19 properties last time we caught up, he reveals where it sits now and delves into the ups and downs of his latest development. I picked up a little, uh, it was like a small development site that essentially I was just going to build a uh, du- duplex on um, down south of Sydney and it was, I bought it, um, I bought the land was being registered um, which I knew was around about mid 2020 and I bought it late 2019 and at the time, um, mate, I had no issues, it was supposed to be fine from a lending perspective. Uh, obviously, COVID kicking in early 2020 changed the landscape um, and what my goal was for within that time frame was really um, to to pick up to to really leverage and go hard and pick up enough properties at that point to hit my ultimate goal, which was which was thirty by thirty, thirty properties by thirty. Now, what ultimately happened was in March when COVID really kicked off, um, almost every funder, especially all your second and third tier lenders, they cut all development funding uh, and they cut all uh, lending on vacant land. So when it came time to settle this thing, all the equity that I'd stripped out um, of my of my existing portfolio that I was supposed to use towards these all these purchases to get me my thirty by thirty, um, I had to pretty much dump that straight into this this uh, this land component to settle this thing in cash. Um, now I was completely hamstrung also by this block by having such a, a, a big asset kind of sitting there with no income coming in on it as well. Um, so essentially, I had to do you know knock over that entire deal um, with cash, which yeah, literally utilized every every spare um, dollar that I had. <laughs> My thoughts is like, how long did that take you to get all that cashed up? Because, you know, obviously you said you, you stripped out all the cash and you're ready to, you know, do development and stuff like that and hopefully fund it through the bank. But 
you know, how long did that take you to actually get that so you could actually settle? You must have been in such a pickle. Mate, it was it was a tricky one. So I'd stripped out, I think at the time I'd stripped out about 400 from the existing portfolio. Um, this is kind of while I was still, I was still obviously running the business a fair bit and I had, um, uh, so I was able to, I was just able to strip enough out of the portfolio that I was able to do it and then be able to fund the rest. It was around about, I think around about a 70% lend I was going to be able to do this. Um so I had about the 400, but when that happened, that's when I had to I had to low dock lend, and I actually had to do a bit of I had to do private lending on one of mine. They had to come back in and refinance out with private lending this one place, mate. It was it was it was ugly. Um, but the, the thing is, mate, I would have had to have walked away from it, it was about 120 grand I already had in this deal, um, which I would have had to have walked away from if I didn't come up with the money. So it was ugly, mate. But it was uh, it was necessary to to get the deal done, and I wasn't going to walk away from that much money. So I uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to be curly and and come up with solutions. That's excellent. I would not have walked away from 120k just to let go of a site, especially when the market was also picking up as well too. And who knows, you know, it's been sounds like a very, 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 very profitable deal. So tell us a little bit about this development that you purchased. You, it was like you know a block of land, and you're planning to do a duplex on it. What what happened um, over that period of time? How long did that development take? It actually kind of changed tack, obviously during that during that period and during that process, uh, because obviously I was supposed to do do the duplex, but when I had to go and settle it in cash. Um, it changed, it changed a few things fundamentally for what I was going to do. So essentially what I did was I changed tack and actually built a single key, like a single lockup home. Um, primary reason was I actually didn't have enough money to build the duplex um, because because obviously that cash component would have had to come up with about an extra 150. So I, I changed tack and went back to a single key. Um, it paid off really well though because that market, which was a couple of hours south of Sydney, went through a really good boom um, due to due to obviously that Sydney growth um, now obviously standalone houses are, are much more desirable from a from a uh, from a sales perspective so the growth that came through from it um, you know when, when, when I did the deal yeah I was projecting to make about as, as we kind of said offline it was around about 150 to 200 um, and I ended up making about six hundred thousand dollars on the deal so it was you know it was it's kind of like you know putting everything on the line to really have a good crack at something and it and it, it definitely paid off um so yeah it was uh it was it was a crazy old time and it threw it definitely threw a spanner in the works of the old you know 30 by 30 um but it did pay off on the back end of it as well thankfully when i look at it from this perspective having 30 by 30 sounds like a great idea but ultimately aren't we really building up this portfolio to make money <laughs> It's true, mate. It's true. <laughs> I don't think I want to be able to buy 30 properties at the end of the day and, and then go, yeah, I've got 30 properties, but what's it really doing for me? <laughs> I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. When you I mean, that's the thing. When you when you look at the runs on the board of how that deal turned out, um, mate, I'm definitely very happy. I, I still went through with it. it it's, it's certainly given me a few gray hairs, um, there were a few more gray hairs than I had before, but, uh, but no, it's come out of the wash pretty good, mate. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, tell us about the background behind it then. As you said, you, you did a single key. So, basically, it's a single home. Um, one, was it like a one-story, two-story home? Was it target, what, what kind of target market was it built for and you know, how did it achieve that price? It's, you know, it's, it's amazing you're able to get that. Mate, a huge amount of that really came from from the boom uh, that came through and the growth level that came through. So I've done a lot of uh, small developments down in that area um, over the years as well. I've built my first property back there in 2012. So I have got a lot of years of experience in that area. Um, but essentially what it was, was, mate, I built for about a thousand bucks a square meter. Um, so you can still build with some really reputable builders. Uh, prices have definitely increased building wise since then. Um, 
but back then, yeah, you could you could get a fixed price contract around about a thousand bucks a square meter. So, uh, yeah, they built the I think it was about two hundred from memory, but about two hundred sixty five square meter home, um, include you know with everything included in it, just low, um, you know, single single level on a six hundred and sixty five square meter block, uh, and it was good. I knew the sites that we picked up. We actually did it with some clients, some other clients as well, and my parents got in on it. And that, very thankful that my parents got in on it as well. Um, they're not the investing type, and they they have never invested in their whole lives. So to get them in on that deal and to turn that sort of profit in in you know 18 24 month window was excellent. I'm really pumped for them. Um, but yeah, essentially what it was was there was there was these blocks on the top of a ridge um, that looked like they had uh, they looked so they looked like they had that much slope that they wouldn't be able to be built on um, easily. Uh, but I built on this sort of style of block before I knew you could retain and 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 keep it in within a certain limit. So that allowed us to negotiate really really hard on the blocks. Uh, we also picked them up in very late 2019 where the market was was quite flat. Um, and yeah, I essentially negotiated on six blocks off market direct with the um, direct with the developer. And uh, yeah, it was a <clears throat> it was a pretty good deal, mate. From from that perspective, and just target market, mate. A lot of the time, there was a lot of people moving from Sydney and relocating down there, uh, and young families as well. So we pretty much you target your you target your design around um, those two target markets, and you typically get really good bang for buck, which which obviously we did on these ones. That's fantastic. Now, I guess you mentioned that you're planning to build a duplex on there. Let's let's take a comparison. What would happen if you did do a duplex? Do you think you would have got a, 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 just as good outcome as this, or would have turned out completely, yeah, you know, less profit compared to what you got now? I would have done the duplex to hold, um, and I would have done it to probably hold it and rent it long term. Um, but having it as having it as kind of like a single key and, and living in it for a while, and then obviously selling it back on has its benefits as well. Um, and yeah, mate, it, it turned out it turned out you know quite good from that end. I think if I had done the duplex, I probably would have made slightly more. Um, but quite honestly, mate, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to make it work. I didn't have the funds to do it. So um, I might have made slightly more, but at the same time, it would have probably cost me around about another 150 grand to do the deal. Um, so uh, maybe for the sake of putting another 150 in, I might have, I might have made another 100 on top. Um, but I'm quite happy to, to save the 150 and, and still pocket the amount that I did. I'm still happy with that. So <laughs> That's amazing. And, and this is the thing. That's the reason why we wanted to sort of get this story behind because as you said, you're trying to get say 30 properties by 30. So at that point in time, you purchased this block and you built the single key house. How many properties would you have had on your portfolio at that point in time? That was 19. So that one was, that one was supposed to be my 19 and 20. Um, and obviously, changing the duplex down to the single key dropped it back to only being the 19. So, um, so that was that was still all good, man. Like I literally got the plans through for the du- for the duplex, um, but then had to had to change tack on it and go back to the single. But it was all good. It just meant I had to uh, I had to level up my game with what I chased over the next the next year. So, <laughs> oh, that's crazy because I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you want you got 31 properties <laughs> by 31, which is literally 12 months. So I'm thinking, how would you have got that many properties in such a short period of time and this is where it leads into me asking this question so what did you do after you finished this deal <laughs> definitely so i got stuck into the build as quickly as i could because i knew i knew i was tapped out i was I, I, actually i'll be dead honestly man i was pretty devo that I, I wasn't gonna be able to hit 30 by 30 i knew i wasn't gonna hit it at that point but because i put all the cash into it i knew how long the build was gonna take it was never gonna happen um because also i wanted to buy standalone houses to get myself up to that so Obviously, you need a bit more capital on that front. So essentially, what I did, mate, was I changed tack and decided to go for 31 by 31. So what I did was I built as quick as I could, got, the, got a really good design in there, got it built, 
And in Feb, the build was finished in Feb of 2021. Um, the build was finished and I got a re- got a reval done on it, um, was able to strip out, obviously at that point as well, um, the banks had realized that the world wasn't going to end because of COVID um, and they were willing to, to lend on it again at that point, especially being a completed dwelling as well. So at that point, I got the reval done on it. I refinanced the cash back out of that deal. Once again, I was fully cashed up. Um, went off and got on my low doc lens, and uh, yeah, and then and then went on a went on a buying spree, and um, it went pretty aggressive over the next twelve months. <laughs> this is the interesting part. So, how much did you draw out in order to go on a buying spree? From that one, I pulled out. Um, I think. Mate, I'm trying to remember the exact figures. I think I got a 650 val on it. Like they valed it so low because at the time I also didn't have enough money to finish the landscaping. So they valed it as like on complete. It looked like a, it was literally a work site because I didn't have the money to finish it at the time. So I got a 650 val, which an 80% lender pulled out 520. I put about 20 grand into the landscaping and I just have this, this old builder mate who's an absolute legend. Him and his son, just whenever they had free time over the next few months, they were kind of going in there and finishing it off and everything, getting it all done for me. Um, and they just had a budget to work work within, and then I pretty much had that had that five hundred over to then go and inject into the market. So there's literally five hundred thousand equity that you just drew out from this property, and you went literally. I'm going to go and buy property. <laughs> this is my buying spree money. This is my shopping money. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and man i was so devo because i like, all during like um all during 2020 there was this huge window there that i wasn't able to buy either because i had all my cash in this in this bloody build so like during the real the real heart of the COVID, like i was that mate there was it was depressing not to be able to buy <laughs> to be honest in the position and, and obviously what i do and seeing the deals that come through all the time the, the amount of stuff that i had to pass on that, that you know, made me almost cry it was, uh, <laughs> it was maybe you should not be a buyer's agent because that's the thing you get yourself stuck and go, oh man, I'm missing out on this. Because if you think about it, the average investor doesn't go and buy one property a, a month. <laughs> it's a different kettle of fish, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's spill the beans. Tell the audience, you got you managed to actually get that. So tell us what you how many properties did you buy over these next few months to lead and, and you know reach 31 properties to 31. Yeah, so from February, from February 2020 until um sorry, 2021 until Jan 2022, um, yeah, I went on a buying spree. And, uh, it was 12 properties in. Uh, it was 12 properties in essentially 12 months, um, and it was it was it was ludicrous because like there were some months where I wouldn't buy anything. I wouldn't think about. it. I was just busy doing my thing, working through it, and then. To be clear as well, I wasn't buying the stuff that like most clients would buy. Um, I think we were talking about this offline. Like deals will come through that it's it's like you don't want to give it to a client because it's like a little bit too big of a rent or a bit too hairy or structurally you know you know that there's some issues. You almost like don't want to take on that essentially like a liability of trying to give that to a client um, and cost blowing out, which quite often they do on these on these big renos. So I get these. I, I remember in in July um, there was um, four deals that came through. It was funny. There were two two owners with two different properties side by side. Um, only one of them was structurally sound and I sold that to, um, well, sold that, sorry, I, I gave that to a client who's up here on the Goldie who was looking for a little reno project, but that was okay. It was just like cosmetically needed a, needed a facelift. Um, and then the one next door, it was like termite ridden, absolute piece of shit. And, and then so I, I, I bought that one. Um, and then the other two, the other, there was this, it was this lady who she's like, she's like in her sixties and she's got like 50 properties right across Brizzy. And all of them are like, she, she, she's owned them for like 20 or 30 years. 
has never done a day of maintenance on them. Like they are all like bomb sites. We, I think I've bought about 50, we, you know, we've bought about 15 properties from her because um, she just takes them as quick and easy off market deals with us. Um, at, but we get them for really good money because they, they look so crap. And there was these two in particular um, that I picked up and mate, they were, they were bad. Like one of them's like $120,000 reno. Um, it was that bad. And so, yeah, there was just this one, like even in, in July, you know, I hadn't bought anything for like three months. And then these four deals came up, gave the good one to a client and then picked up the other three uh, <laughs> pretty average ones and picked, it, picked them up for myself. And then, yeah, slowly ran out of them over, over time as well. But it was, it was a crazy 12 months, man, because like 500,000 at low dock lending, really is enough for five properties. Um, so essentially what I was doing was I was buying properties and three or four months post-settlement, I was I was going back and pulling the capital I'd made on those deals back out, um, especially because there was renos in there as well. It was a huge amount of, it was very, very active investing during that time as well. Um, yeah, so going, picking, you know, properties up at really good discounts, putting the money in for reno, valing it back up and stripping it out and going again. And it was, it, it was a crazy 12 months, man. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Gordon reveals the secret behind his tried and tested winning formula. I was stuck down in Sydney for most of last year, so um, you know we, we were pretty well isolated to our state, um, and I was buying in, in pretty well every state but but New South Wales. So. He tells the fascinating story of one particular investor who, despite her immense wealth, you wouldn't be able to pick out of a crowd. They pretty much explain the situation that she's been buying properties during the 90s and 2000s, uh, just slowly accumulating this, this monster portfolio just to pretty much sell at some point at the back end. He explains what motivates him to keep going rather than trade the hard work for an early retirement on a tropical island. I could sell it all down and pretty much go do anything I want or buy almost anything I want in the world, but that's just not my style. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. interested in finding great deals like Sam Gordon does? If the answer is yes, then let Sam help you find them since he does this all day every day. When you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Simply text 0499881040 and quote APS. Despite having everything money could buy, Gordon continues to work full-time in addition to running his business as a buyer's agent. Unless he's purchased more hours to use in his day, how does he find the time? I'm a workaholic, mate, to, to, to put it simply. And when you're passionate about it, like it doesn't it doesn't even feel like work, you know? Like you say you're a workaholic, but you're just you doing what you love. And when you're in property and doing deals and, and seeing the results and seeing things come off, like it's, I mean, it's, 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 it is its own adrenaline boost, you know, in, in its own way. You're just literally running on adrenaline the whole time, just, just pumping these things. So. <laughs> Lots of Red Bull for you then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That was good, mate. It was, it was honestly, it was a very, very interesting, um, interesting period. I, I wouldn't recommend it to too many people. You'd, um, you definitely would want to have, uh, you would want to have like the experience and, and a lot of, a lot of, you know, almost like game time up your sleeve of, of knowing how to do that stuff. And you'd need a, it's, it's pretty intense, even just from the loan side of things. You know, the, the continual docks, refires, you're rolling into into different lens. Um, yeah, mate, guarantors and all the rest of the sort of stuff. It's a pretty, it's a pretty intense period, that's for sure. 
Oh, yeah. And I'm just trying to understand, like, even just documentation alone takes at least, you know, a week or so to be able to prepare all that, get the vowels out. It's just getting everyone lined up, trades, renos, all that, because I'm assuming you're not doing all the renovations yourself. I'm sure, I'm sure you're using and leveraging off people. Well, mate, I was stuck down in Sydney for most of last year. So, um, you know, we, we were pretty well isolated to our state um, and I was buying in, in pretty well every state, but but New South Wales. So, uh, well, for, for myself anyway. So, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, lot of leveraging on people that I've, I've used for a lot of years. But, mate, what I found worked really well was actually clustering purchases. So, after I bought those three together in July, um, I realized the benefit of it because you just wait for all your loan docs to come at the same time and you just dedicate a weekend and I'll just smash out all these loan docs, get all my guarantors done, get all my JP signatures and all the rest of it, go drop it in on the on the Monday and then and then you're good, you know, it's all set and then <laughs> two, three months later, just do it again. You found a, a really nice system that works. So, maybe maybe it is the triple buy, you know, system where you buy it every three months. <laughs> Don't buy one property, you buy three properties in a month. It was ludicrous, mate. It was it was a pretty crazy old time but, uh, but it paid off, you know, we had a a really good um we've had a really good run of growth um in a lot of those areas as well um yeah bought bought really really well and yeah it was it was just good i, I was happy because i missed out of, of most of, of 2020 um which was it was good though because i you know focused hugely on on so many so many clients and building their portfolios during that period um mate some of the results i'd i'd you know, young fellows academy was sixty grand. We bought properties for three hundred grand in in twenty twenty, and they've almost doubled. You know, in two years, so it's just like they've taken sixty and turned it into two hundred, two fifty, and then they're they're pulling it out and buying two, three, you know, three properties in a year. It's just completely changed so many of these guys' lives. So, mate, it's it was. It's been a it's been a fun couple of years. It's been crazy, but it's been fun. <laughs> I can imagine. And thanks to COVID, you know, we've seen so many things have changed, especially how the market's gone ballistic in the last couple of years. I'm I'm curious about you mentioned that you had one client or one person who just referred you. He actually had like some like fifty properties and stuff like that. It had not been maintained for a while, as you said. How how does something like that come across your desk, I guess, in that sense? And and why was she selling? You know, especially when she had that many properties on a on a portfolio. I don't actually know her background. So she like her her as a contact came through um, a very strong real estate agent connection that I have. So there was a particular office in Brisbane that I was extremely close with, still am extremely close with. Um, and I used to get, I get access to. They're essentially I think you're about a twenty something salesperson team, huge team. Um, and I get access to everything that comes through before it hits them hits the market every single deal. Um, and essentially, I got called from one of the agents from that office, um, and and she said, um, oh, "I've got this this old lady that's looking to sell off a bunch of her properties. You, you're interested?" I go, "Yeah, perfect. Let's do it." And um, and she ran me through all the deals, and I was like, "These are these are pretty tidy pricings, you know, because because of the relationship I had, we can talk quite openly around pricing and, and in terms of like why something is is as cheap as it is." And they pretty much explained the situation that she's been buying properties during the '90s and 2000s, uh, just slowly accumulating this this monster portfolio just to pretty much sell at some point at the back end. Um, but she just refuses to do any work. So you know, some of these properties that should have been renting for 400, 450 a week were renting for. 250, 280, 300. She just never increased rents, but she also never did work to them. Um, and I know, mate, one of the properties that I bought, it literally had this back deck on it that the tenant had fallen through and broken her leg and the tenants were still in there and the deck still had the bloody hole in it. It was ridiculous, mate. And I literally, as soon as I bought it, we deadlocked the back door, barricaded the bottom of it. This is after we went unconditional because in Queensland, it becomes your, your you know, your um, liability straight away. And, um, mate, just, but just ludicrous. Like she just didn't care, you know? And um, 
yeah, pretty much it came through from that. And then we started buying cash. We weren't buying cash on conditionals. We're buying cash contracts and no finance um, and buying with, um, we could still run it through finance, but no finance conditions on the contract. Um, and we're doing them with, you know, seven or a 10 day building and pests on them. So we're just getting it done. And that was literally just covering us for structural. We weren't going back and, and negotiating, trying to trying to fight them off for maintenance. And she loved it. Um, as soon as we did, um, as soon as we did a couple of deals like that, then it really just opened the floodgates and she knew we were serious. Um, she knew we weren't, you know, bullish, bush ass to tell you one thing at the start and then try and smash it with everything. Uh, we, we picked up a lot of really, really good deals and we're still, still literally still buying from a rent roll as she, as she sells off. So it's, um, it's crazy, mate. It, it's amazing the amount of people that are out there that, I mean, probably not a huge amount, but there's the people that are out there that have portfolios like this. And I met her because um, we, we moved up in December. We actually moved up to Queensland um, in December. And I went and met her out at these other ones that we bought. You literally wouldn't be able to pick her, mate. You go down to the to the Woolies, local Woolies, you would not pick her as someone that's you know twenty million dollar woman. So yeah, it was absolutely crazy. Just selling them all off, mate. Got I think they're all pretty well all paid off as well because um, she'd had them for so long. And yeah, just selling them all off just to build up that nest egg and, and retire. Oh, okay, she's not going to keep any. I wonder. <laughs> Oh, okay. That, that's a good position to be in. You know, you could live literally off 20 mil for many, many decades or many generations. So, it's not bad. They were all over too, mate. Everywhere. Absolutely everywhere across Brizzy. So, yes. I don't know what her what her idea was or reasoning behind most of the stuff that she bought. But yeah, she'd, um, she'd done pretty well over the years. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess what have you done to these properties? Because it sounds like it's not as simple as just buying and holding these properties in your portfolio. You've actually had to put a lot of hard work into it. How have you been able to manage that process and how do you know when the time is right to do the reno? Because it takes time to, to get these things done. You know, I don't expect a reno to take, you know, a day or two. It'd probably take you at least a few months to, and then afterwards, you've got to reval and so forth. So, tell us about maybe these last few ones that you've taken on board. Yeah, so one of the big things that I learned. Um, many, many years ago was to, you know, get all your, you can get all your renos and everything lined up during a settlement period, you know, so you get your crew out during building a pest, they quote everything up with your team while they're there, um, you know, so then by the time you're going unconditional, you're literally booking it in, you know, let's say you settle three, four weeks later, your team's ready to start within a week or two, if not the day after settlement um, and a lot of the time that streamlines, that massively streamlines the process. Um, that one that I bought where the lady fell through it, um, they were in there for like we actually couldn't kick them out straight away so I had to leave that one and couldn't actually renovate that one straight away hence why I deadlocked the back door and pretty well barricaded the deck so she couldn't get onto it um, they couldn't get onto it again um, but yeah man like um, most of them I, I was literally I had the funds there set aside as soon as it settled like within yeah like I was kind of saying within like a week they're starting it knock it over within a month and then rolling it back you know reval roll it back out and go again so we over the years of, of all the stuff that I've done for myself we pretty much just built out a system um, we've been buying in most of the areas that we're active in for quite a while as well so I've got some really good teams right around the country um, that's what that's really what changes the game for you with the renovation especially in a market like this um a lot of people don't want to touch renovators because it's not easy to find tradespeople. Most of the guys that we work with, they actually don't work with anyone else because we do so much because we do so much of this style of work and they enjoy working with us and they trust and know that our clients are, are good, honest people as well. They know they're not going to be chasing bills and all the rest of it. Um, they literally, a lot of them just work exclusively for us and we just roll them from job to job to job like that. So it's it's no, yeah, there's no great issue from, from our end with it. It actually just works really well. It's a, it's a good system, man. Like it's, Renovation can be a really good way of, of making money. I know you're you're quite active with your developments and you know how to make money in developments. I've got a lot of mates and I know a lot of people that have come very unstuck in developments because um, there can be a lot a lot on the line, a lot on the table with it. 
mate, we found with Renos, you, if you do Renos properly, you can make some really, really good money from them. Definitely. And that, that's the key thing. That's what I, I heard you say is that the key thing is actually having a good team and a good system in place. Once you've got that trust with the good team, then it's easiest, you know, just making a phone call and just say, look, you know, send that. And especially when you got the volume, why would they even bother going out and looking for jobs? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it takes time to find a job, quote it, and then you don't even know if the job is going to be available. Well, if you have a, a guaranteed job, you'd be taking that any day of the week. And plus, if you're paying them on time or early, whatever it is, it'd be like literally, you know, a tradie for life. <laughs> it literally is, man. Yeah, literally. Some of these guys have been working with for like two, three years and they, they haven't, they've barely ever jumped onto another job in between. They're literally just going from rolling from one to the other. So it's, yeah, it's good, man. It's good. It's been a, it's been a good system. It's been an enjoyable period. And that's why like, you know, some people hear that number and they think it's crazy, but it's like, it takes time to build yourself mentally to be able to take on like that many deals at once. But it's when you've got the right, it's exactly as you're saying there, you're the right team, the right team in place to continually execute and keep rolling and moving it and everything. Um, it's not as, it's, yeah, it's, it's not as crazy. It's, yeah. it, it's, it seems nuts, but it's, it's just part and parcel with the way that, the way that we roll. I do it for other clients every day. So it doesn't feel that different doing it for myself. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say because you've got a clientele who, who gets these kind of properties and do this kind of stuff. It's pretty much just the same day in, day out. It's, it's you know, part of your business. Whereas if you're just doing once-off, then different story there because it's a once-off renovation. The trades are not going to be coming over just to do the one thing for you. But if you're regular, like like development, I guess you can say, if you become a regular developer with you know regular builder and so forth like that, they expect that there's going to be regular business. They're just going to stick with you. So. Yeah, it comes with volume but takes a lot of time to build and that's what you've built up successfully as well in the last few years. That's amazing. That's what it's all about leveraging, mate. That's what it's all about. It is, it is and, and you've built a very substantial portfolio. So now, I guess looking at, back at it, you've reached your 31 by 31. Uh, congrats and happy birthday. <laughs> Belated, I should say. What, what impact has that had on you for... I guess that changed because ultimately you're not just doing this for fun because all the hard sweat and tears and hard work and so forth that you put in time, it's not like, you know, oh yeah, great, I got this number. But what does that mean in actual, I guess, say financially and, you know, change and say what you've been doing as well for your life as well? I'd say in today's times, like it's not, it doesn't change that much for me personally at the moment. Um, you and I were kind of discussing this offline. I think you and I are quite similar. We're, we're we're not like super flipping people and just, you know, throwing, burning money like it's nothing. And just because my portfolio is generating a certain amount, it was worth a certain amount. It doesn't mean I go and buy anything I want and do all the rest of it. But it's setting it up for, you know, when I, at some point, if I have stepped back from work or, or have a family or something like that, it's setting me up for that. Um, and, and that's really what it's all about to me. I'm honestly, mate, yeah, I could, I could sell it all down and pretty much go to anything I want or buy almost anything I want in the world, but that's just not my style. Um, it's just, it's just building it out, mate. Like I've always, I've always had uh, a passion for property and I want to have a, a big, strong portfolio. Um, I also don't love um, huge debt levels and stuff like that as well. So I carry a nice low, you know, reasonably low LVR on, on the portfolio size and have really nice cash flows that go with it as well. So, um, mate, it hasn't changed too much in today's, you know, in today's times, but yeah, long, longer term, it'll, uh, it'll certainly, you know, pay, yeah, reap the rewards long term, that's for sure. Yep. So you've got pretty much a, a good, solid, stable portfolio with an L, L, low LDR as well, too. And is that, is I guess, the plan now? Are you going to continue to accumulate more properties to add to this portfolio, or do you want to actually start sort of using the cash flow to be able to pay down the debt and reduce the debt as well? Or is it going to be a combination of both? Mate, it'll probably be a combination. Um, I don't think I'll stop, especially doing what I do. There's always going to be those deals that come through that um, are probably a little too hairy for clients to take on. 
Um, so, you know, I try I avoid giving those sorts of things to clients and I'll probably continue accumulating and buying those sort of things. But, mate, I'll, I'll consolidate. I'm a very big believer in consolidating when a market peaks out. Um, I don't think really like yes long-term profits of holding through two property cycles can be great um, if it takes you 10 years to get back to the bottom of the cycle to ride it again you quite easily could have ridden at least one of the cycle in the middle of that um, so i'm a big believer in kind of consolidating at market peaks so you know things that i've got which i call bread and butter style deals um, which don't have that upside for say maybe a cash flow um, boost to it in those sorts of regards when those properties peak out in their cycles i'll definitely look to sell down and consolidate those style of uh, those style of deals reduce debt redirect you know redirect the the equity to something else um Matt, I have no intention of stopping or, or I'll definitely slow down a little. I'm, I'm, no intention to do another another dozen this year, that's for sure. I'll be wondering if that's what you're planning again. <laughs> there we go, Sam. 2022. Let's go for 24 properties this time. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not, mate. Unless you want to come do some loan docs for me, I'm, uh, I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, no, I like it. Yeah, it's just I'll, I'll continue to accumulate, but uh, but I'll, I'll definitely take it a little bit easier. Not um, not go not go as crazy, and yeah, just just keep working through it, mate. <laughs> I have to say, I don't know any other guy who can do that much in such a short period of time. <laughs> oh, mate, I'll take that as a compliment because I know you know a lot of guys. So <laughs> it is, it is a compliment. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're absolutely just star, man. <laughs> So, so coming down to numbers, then, um, do, have you have you done a recent valuation on all those recent properties or the total portfolio? Do you know how much it's worth at this point in time, mate? I ran one. I ran one at the start of the year, and then I ran one again. Um, I did. I did the figures. It was at the end of last month. So I was like, yeah, maybe two weeks, a week or two weeks ago, or something like that. Um, the overall portfolio value um, is running at the moment just over seventeen mil. Um, if running on what I think, what I strongly believe the market value of some of those properties are, oh, sorry, the, across the entire portfolio, what they're worth, um, I, I yeah, strongly believe it's sitting at set just over seventeen mil. Um, made my debt levels haven't increased since I, since I finished purchasing back at that end point um, in, in um, Jan this year. So uh, debt levels are sitting around about that eight, eight and a half million um, value on, on that, on that loan, uh, on that, on that size portfolio. So yeah, mate, I, it's, it's funny for someone that a lot of people think I'm like a super aggressive, um, which, which I am, I, I do run at a reasonably low LVRs. And that also does come down to kind of consolidating. And um, when I consolidate, you know, consolidate big profits, like the, like the one that I sold last year. Um, yeah, like consolidating the big profits and then, and then reinvesting, but with nice chunky deposits, I like to run at lower LVRs rather than, rather than strip, you know, I stripped myself up to the eyeballs when I was young. Um, but then it gets to a point, and I think this is, this is what happens you know, as you mature, as your portfolio matures, starts to snowball. Um, you know, I, I ran a huge amount of my portfolio at 90 to 95% LVRs because I was on a very low income, but that allowed me to really build the, the asset base really strong. And, and then I went through the Sydney boom and then the Brizzy boom and the Adelaide boom and as, as they're all picking up. And it's really starts to snowball and take off. Um, and then as it snowballs, that's when you can start stripping out a lot of capital and rolling them into you know, rolling those into um, uh, into into further deals at twenty percent lens. Ah, uh, sorry, twenty percent deposits, eighty percent lens, and mate, that's what that's where you become a little untouchable because the banks love it because you got you you're you're willing to put a good amount in. You're doing you know renovation deals or developments, and you're building capital on the way in. You've got really strong cash flows, mate. It just starts snowballing from that point. You know, never buy anything. I never buy anything negatively geared. I don't pay market value. I always look for upsides and different things I can do. And when you continually to build it like that, it just snowballs just builds like a beast as you go so um yeah man it's it's pretty cool <laughs>
you learned a lot from the episode, stay tuned for future episodes where Sam Gordon and I will continue to share with you more property stories from his own journey. Also, did you know when you work with Sam, he'll include a strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. Having a solid plan is the difference between success and failure. Simply visit australianpropertyscout.com.au and fill out the contact form or text 0499 88 10 40 and quote APS. Thanks for listening.